Hi, and welcome to the Passive Income and Chill podcast. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs and side hustlers of the modern African diaspora, whose goal is to create success and wealth through passive income and online business. I'm your host, Nana Alice Nayarko, and every week I interview some of the most successful people in our community so you can learn the strategies to build your own passive income empire, all with a dash of balance and a healthy mindset. Let's get into today's show. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for joining. Um, Welcome to the Passive Income and Chill podcast again. My name is Nana Alice Nayarko, and today we have an amazing guest, Charles. Charles. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone, um, the man with the plan. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me, Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. Man. I have a background in finance. I graduated from college with a degree in finance, began working as a financial advisor. And then what I did is I decided that I wanted to level up a little bit. And so I started working in private client banking and that was a really cool experience. And then from there, I went to law school. And so I went to law school, did that whole thing. And I think I realized that I wanted to figure out a way to merge those two careers together, the prior career of finance and the current career of law. And so I started working in a uh, family office, high level family office, where um, the actual family was worth about 200 million. And I got a chance to see a lot of really, really cool, creative things that they were putting together. And I just saw this constant theme that everyone was doing all these things together as a group and we were left out. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to figure out a way for us to collectively start buying these assets, investing in these assets, generating wealth, because um, I knew that the the some of us working together would still achieve a great result for all of us. And so I started a company called Tide Capital. Tide Capital uh, in the beginning was just us working together and buying stocks. Then we moved on to buying real estate. And then I learned that you actually can reach more people teaching them how to do it than doing it on their behalf or doing it in collaboration with them. Uh, which is interesting because when you work in this space as like an individual, when you're taught to be like job, 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 you're like, I got to be that man. I got to be the smartest. Everybody has to come to me if they want to work with me. Right. And so I was blown away when I realized that I could just make a bigger impact and also more money by teaching people what I know and just kind of giving that away. And then also having to go back to the lab and then learn more. So, um, yeah, we've been doing this for about five years. It was not overnight. But yeah. uh, when we hit that that 2020 mark, we really lit fire. And here we are today. That's awesome. Well, um, we actually have some things in common because I also went to law school. So, um, I, yeah, I'm a former practicing attorney. I don't practice anymore. Um, but I definitely know that feeling of getting into that space and that world. And you're like, okay, all these people are succeeding and climbing, but I don't really see the same path happening for our people. So I, I really understand that for sure. So um, would you say, what what is your favorite or main source of passive income? You kind of touched mm-hmm. on stocks and real estate, but yeah. of, of the two or of any others that you do, which ones yeah. would you say are your favorite? You know, what's interesting is I've fallen in love with dividends, dividend paying stocks. And the reason why I like dividends- Before you move on, sorry. Can you explain to folks what dividend stocks are? 
Yeah. So there's a bunch of different types of companies. So you have like your small cap, your mid cap, your large cap companies. And as companies go through different phases and they mature and they become more consistently profitable, they start to return that cash to shareholders. So you newer companies, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be reinvesting their dividends and they're reinvesting their profits back into the business so they can grow into a larger business. That's how you grow a business, more cash. But once you've gotten to the point where you can't really grow too much, now you start looking to return that cash to your shareholders. So dividends are a function of the company paying out their net income to the shareholders because the shareholders own the company. So okay. prior to that, you benefit because the share value increases. But once you get to a point where that company is so established, they dominate they sp their space, they're not going anywhere, and now they start to pay it out in the form of dividends. Now, different companies pay different types of dividends. So I'm um, not different types, but you have essentially where you have like an actual like corporate company that's paying dividends. And you also have like a real estate investment trust that pays dividends. And then you have some holding companies that pay dividends. And so I own a combination of both. ExxonMobil pays a dividend based off of their profit. I own a REIT, which is SPG, and they pay based off of their rental income. And then I also own a holding company, which is IEP. And what they do is they just buy a bunch of companies and then they return that cash to their shareholders. So the benefit of like a REIT or a holding company is they're likely going to pay a much larger dividend than like a corporation. Corporations, okay. they pay dividends, but not that hefty. I'm always looking for like a 10% dividend or greater. That's always my goal is 10% return. That was my next question. Like, do you have a set criteria of the return that you want from a dividend? Like I've seen yeah. some people say, oh, minimum of 3%, um, but it sounds like you're going bigger going home. You're going for yeah. 10. Yeah. Okay. So of course there's risk with that, but there's also some strategies with finding a higher dividend paying stock. And so one of the things that I do and have done is I look at companies that are great companies that are getting bad press that are still paying a significant dividend. Why? Because you get what's called like an accidental high yielder. And okay. so, for example, SPG, I want to say is about a $200 share, approximately $200 a share. Um, I think it was, might've been like 120. So let's say it's, it's selling for 120. In good times, their dividend was like nine to 10%. No, their dividend was like 5%. But then okay. what happened when COVID happened, malls got closed. There was so much doom and gloom forecasted that the stock got cut from a hundred bucks per share to 50 bucks per share. Wow. Now that $5, $6 dividend is now a 10% dividend yield. So what wow. I do is I come in and I grab a bunch of shares at the $50 rate and then it increases mm. in value back to 100 bucks. So my dividend is still locked in. Wow. So that's, that's, that's one of the things that I did with um, SPG and also did with Exxon. So Exxon, I bought them when they were selling it like, I want to say 40, 50 bucks a share. And now they're trading at like 80 or 90 a share. So if you can get dividends at a discount, meaning you buy the stock at a discount, but the dividend is still the same. Now you're mm -hmm. going to be having some upside because not only do you get the appreciation when the stock goes back to where it fell from, you're also going to be getting that dividend at a higher yield because most people, mm -hmm. the reason why they are getting 3%, 4% is because they're not finding value in the stock. They're just buying at the top. Right. And that, in my opinion, is not investing. Anybody can just throw stocks at something that's getting good press. It takes an actual eye to find opportunity where other people don't see that opportunity. Okay. So do you, with your dividend investing, do you invest in like a, a large number of uh, stocks or ETFs, or do you have like a set five or, or set 10 or whatever that you consistently invest in? Yeah, I would say it's very concentrated. Um, you can diversify. Um, I just chose not to because I found very, very good ones that I liked a lot. So mm -hmm. um, 
especially when you get them on a discount. Like if you can buy Exxon, which is like one of the largest, if not the largest oil company in the world, you can get it for half off. That's a deal. And granted, I didn't land here like straight out the gate. What I did is I had gone to school for finance. I was like, man, I know everything about stocks. I should be making money. And so I was watching CNBC. They're telling me hot stocks to to buy. I was watching Jim Cramer. He was telling me Mm -hmm. what to buy. Yelling at us all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I would buy those stocks and they wouldn't perform for me. In fact, a lot of times they would lose money because if it's on the front page of the news, it's more than likely too late. And so what I did is I was like, man, I thought I knew about investing. I thought I was going to buy stuff and it was going to make money, but that's not working out for me. So what I did is I got in the lab and I started to research a lot of investors, but more specifically Warren Buffett. And I found a fellow on from Warren Buffett to Benjamin Graham. And I learned the concept of value investing, where value investing Mm -hmm. is where you buy something. It's like where you buy a dollar for 10 cents or you buy a dollar for 20 cents. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking to buy something that should be valued here at a discount. Um, But I would say that the reason why I'm able to just buy a few companies and still fund my lifestyle is because I started a business. Hmm. And so I started the business. I made a bunch of money in the business. And then instead of taking that money and buying fancy stuff, although I have bought some fancy stuff, I didn't just all buy fancy stuff. Yeah. I put it into dividends. And the reason why I like dividends better than any other stream of income that I have is it always comes on the day it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they usually have like a, a date that they're paying out, right? And there's no if ands, or buts about it. Nope. Yeah. No if ands, so, or buts. They pay that dividend. Um, you mentioned something though. I like to call it getting active to get passive, where you started a business, right? And then instead of just taking that profit and living life with it, you funneled it into your passive income sources. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people miss that. I know I missed that when I first started my business. Like the first time I started making money myself, not from my employer, I I was just going ham. I was just like, oh, this is like, you know, free money. And I it took me a while, to be frank, to realize that, no, I can take this money and instead of using, because it's still active income, even when I first started my business. So, you know, I started doing Airbnb and short-term rentals and I was managing everything myself. And then I started hosting for other people. So that was more somewhat passive, but still active income. And of course, before that I was practicing as an attorney, but it took me a while to realize like I can take that money, that active income that I'm trading my time for and put it into resources like dividends or things that are going to make assets that are actually going to make passive income. I honestly didn't really start thinking that way until 2020. I don't know what it is about 2020. Well, I do know, (laughs) but it shifted. I feel like a lot of people's mindsets and that was myself included. Um, It's unfortunate that it took all that to to do it, but it did. Um, So what would you say to people who are, just now starting to think this way, um, how could they start to make moves in this direction? Mm. You got to go all in. Um, I have a mastermind and we were talking about the four levels of action. And so the book 10X Rule, the whole premise is that in order for you to find success in anything that you're doing, you have to take 10X the level of actions. And so what are the four levels of actions? The first level of action is doing nothing. 
Most people are doing nothing. And what they don't realize is that it actually takes energy to do nothing. Why? Because you're going to be making excuses for why you're not accomplishing things. You're going to be getting creative, telling people like, oh, well, it's this person that's holding me back. It's that thing that's not letting me do it. And so it takes energy to do nothing. The second is retreating. Some people are falling backwards, whether it's because they're afraid of success or because um, they've had some prior mistakes that have kind of rubbed in the wrong way. Or they've had bad experiences. They got burned on an investment, something like that. They're retreating. And they're just hoarding what they have. And that's what a lot of people do during a recession. Mm-hmm. The third is taking average levels of actions. And what most people do when they get into business, they treat it like a job and they want to just take average level of action. They expect to show up and be paid. I'm going to post one time a day. I'm going to post three times a day. I'm going to go live once a week. I'm going to post a podcast once a week. But the fourth level of action is called massive action. Massive action is when you burn the house down and that's what's required to to become successful. So if you're looking to approach this, you have to take massive action. The only reason why people know my name is because I post 20 times a day. I was dropping a podcast every single day. I tweet all the time. So my tweets are getting likes and shares and retweets and my posts are getting reshared. And I'll show up on an Instagram live or I'll do your conference. I'll go on somebody else's podcast. And so that's the way that you have to approach it, whatever you're doing. I don't care if it's Airbnb. I don't care if it's Turo. I don't care if it's trucking. I don't care if it's vending. All these different things. What separates the successful from the unsuccessful is they went massive. Yeah. You don't know anybody who was successful from one truck or one Airbnb. Right. Yeah. You're lighting a fire under under my I was going to say my ass, but, um, but, but you know, like that is so true because I gained success with Airbnb because at one point I had 20 Airbnbs all running at the same time. Um, you said you post 20 times a day. That's phenomenal. Here I am with my four or five. Um, but I, I like that, you know, like I said, getting active to get passive, like you're doing the active work in order to get passive. So do you have like, um, you know, I love the FIRE community, which for those of you who might not know, it's, um, what is it? Uh, financial, financial independence, independence retire early. early. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any like goals like that with what you're doing? Like, what is your, do you have an end goal or is this just like, you're so passionate about it. This is what you want to do and do for as long as you can. Interestingly enough, I was very inspired by that community. And quite honestly, I think I am financially independent and I have retired early. That's why I say mm-hmm. I golf every day. That's what I do for a living. I golf every day. And yeah. um, and so the way that I did that, though, was business to dividends, business mm-hmm. to dividends. And so my dividends pay my mortgage, my dividends pay for my son to go to school and my dividends also kick off some extra cash for certain other things. And then I still have a business that generates whatever it's generating, but then I also have a pool of resources that if I ever need to pull from them, I can. But while I'm doing all that, I'm also working on a flip. So I have a flip in Detroit that should be finished in hopefully 30 days. Um, I have my Turo that goes out and that generates income. I, of course, sell my courses and content. And so I'm doing things that don't necessarily require me to get up in the morning and commute, to sit somewhere for eight hours and to then commute home and to be there five days a week. And so I would believe that I am financial. I'm definitely financially independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I've quasi-retired. I tell people that I'm semi-retired because I still kind of work. So I still have my own office. I show up to my office and do those different things. Mm-hmm. But I'm able to make so much more money now that I don't have a job and that I don't need the income than I was when I was relying on those income and that job to pay my money. So I yeah. think that one thing that I tell people, though, is that that um, your passive income is going to come different ways. 
I always thought my passive income was going to come through rental properties. I never thought it would come through dividends because I never had enough money for it to make sense in dividends. Mm-hmm. But if you can generate that much money with cash and you could put it into dividends, now you're good. And this is one of the things I always tell professional athletes and they don't listen to me. Instead of getting a $10 million check and spending yeah. $9 million, get a $10 million check, invest it, and then live off the 10%. And now you get a million dollars a year and there's nothing you can't do if you're making a million dollars a year. That's very true. That's absolutely true. So ballpark it for people with, if you're comfortable, um, like to make the kind of money to be able to um, be independent and live off of dividends, like how much generally do you need to invest um, to do that? And do you, okay, it's a two-parter. Do you bulk invest or do you also dollar cost average meaning like you continuously continuously invest so i I did to give to give context in 2020 my business generated maybe about three million dollars okay and so um that was 2020 and then in 2021 we did about another million dollars and right now it probably does about 250 And so what I did is I put maybe like 500 into um, a bunch of dividend paying stocks that pay about 10%. So that generates enough money to take care of the mortgage, take care of my son's education. And then I just kind of live off of the rest. Everything else is still invested. And so that will be the reason why I'm able to live off the dividends. 500,000 that you put in at that time. Okay. Okay. And that was from originally from 3 million in um, gross revenue from 2020. Okay. Yeah. I had to pay taxes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's, uh, and, that's a new and thing. salaries and uh, yeah, so yeah. Okay, so for someone who's you know starting smaller, what would be your advice for, to them if they feel discouraged by oh I need so much money to make money from dividends? Stop aiming at passive income and start aiming at massive income. Mm-hmm. Start aiming at what you can do for a lot of people. What service do you have the ability to provide at scale? Because you're not going to make your money off of a few clients. You're not going to make your money. I sold my course about 20,000 times. And so what I did, and this is so interesting because a lot of people, what they think is that you have to make, you have to charge high ticket to make big money. And I think that that's a mistake. And I've been having this conversation with people in my mastermind for so long. When you first start a business. Yeah. When you first start a business, what you need to do is you need to provide a bunch of value for free. For free. Okay. That can be a podcast. That could be a free course. That could be a free ebook. That could be a free community. You need to provide a bunch of value to a lot of people for free. And then what you do is you can start charging lower ticket for your courses and for your content. And so then what you're going to do is, although you might, it's the value is high. The value has right. to be high, but let's okay. sell it for an affordable price. So it's a no brainer. And so when I first released my options course, what I found is people would pay me a hundred bucks and they would make their hundred bucks the very next day on their trade. Mm. And so people are saying, there's people out here making thousands of dollars with your content. Why are you selling it for a hundred bucks? Because the goal is scale. And also because a lot of people didn't know me. And Mm -hmm. so now I can start to charge higher ticket. I could charge 2000 to $5,000 for things, but I've also built this nest egg to where I have this foundation to where if I do or I don't get the higher ticket stuff, it doesn't make or break me. I'm not just sitting around hoping that a high ticket falls out of the sky. And this okay. is how every business gets its start unless they're essentially Tesla. But at some point, you have to have an affordable piece to your business. Either you start there or you land there, but you can't mm. neglect affordability. 
If you look at okay. any company, if you look at Apple, when they first launched the iPhone, it was a $1,000 phone. They made a $200 phone, sales through the roof. That's what made Apple the company they are today. Tesla started with the Model S. Yeah, it was impressive. It was, people liked it. They came up with the Model 3. Now it's a billion-dollar company. Either you start there or you end up there, but you have to be there. And too many entrepreneurs want to charge their worth and they want to tax folks. And then they wonder why they're struggling to hit six figures. Mm, that's, you know, it's so funny you brought this up because this is something that, frankly, I have been like investigating myself, you know, the high ticket. Like there's two communities out there in the entrepreneurship world, kind of like you talked about. You know, there's that high ticket charge as high as you can. You're valuable. And I, I understand that perspective. And I kind of come from that perspective a little bit. But I would say, especially in the last six months, um, I'm kind of like coming around. So, I, you know, I have low ticket and high ticket offers, of course, because I agree. I want to make sure there's affordability out there for people. But I think that especially if you really started your um online entrepreneurship journey in 2020, a lot of us uh, got spoiled. Like everybody and their mom was at home and had these stimulus checks to spend money and buy all this stuff. Um, and now, you know, there's more normalcy. People have competing interests when it comes to, or competing priorities when it comes to their dollars, right? Um, so I really kind of am starting to see that piece as well. And it's, it's very interesting. So I'm as... It's kind of cool that you brought that up, um, but your so your stance is really the start with low ticket and go from there. I think I think that's the formula, but then again, I don't think it's either or. Mm -hmm. I think that the concept of a funnel is everything that I just explained. The concept right. of a funnel is you have a free lead magnet, you have a low ticket offer, and you have a higher ticket upsell. And right. so we're having people who are saying either low ticket or high ticket, and they're realizing like it's all tickets. All tickets matter. <laughs> so we need to make <laughs> sure we get all those all tickets. All the dollars. Yeah, get yeah, all the dollars. Because yeah. I tell people, like, your higher ticket is going to serve as advertising for your lower ticket. And your lower ticket is going to serve as a potential upsell for your higher ticket. So you shouldn't neglect those. If you go inside of any store, they got it all. And mm -hmm. so we should essentially have it all. But in the beginning, if you're looking to get traction, if you're looking to make an impact, I think that you have to at least, very, at least start with free. Okay. Because I feel like sometimes I see other people's like offers and I always wonder, is there the thing where you are cannibalizing your own products when you have so many different offers mm -hmm. um, at different price points? What are your thoughts on that? I think that you have to make sure that the offers make sense. Okay. And so you don't want to offer more of the same thing at a higher price. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, if that's because essentially what you're doing is, Everybody, for the most part, is teaching one thing. The difference between your higher ticket and your lower ticket is going to be the access to you. And okay. so it's not necessarily going to be like, oh, if you come here, this is my real secret sauce. And it's just more of the same. Right, right. Because now people aren't going to want to buy your cheaper stuff. They're not going to want to mm -hmm. buy other stuff. It's like, why would I buy that if this is this? But if you mm -hmm. can let them know that they're going to either get it faster, easier, or or quicker or whatever there's another word for that faster or easier with the higher ticket stuff now it makes sense and you're not going to cannibalize it mm -hmm. but again some people are going to say you know what i would love to go there and get it faster but let me at least know what she's talking about now right so i'll pay you this for now and so we say it's essentially you have to build out your value ladder but what you're really doing is it's the do-it-yourself the done with you and the done for you 
and each of those is just a le- different level than your uh, your platform. Now, some people, what they're doing is they're just charging higher tar- higher ticket for the uh, do it yourself, and so they're saying, "Oh, my course is two grand," and I want to see what their numbers are like because yeah. I don't know if they're doing three. Granted, see the thing is, is I'm me and Chris Johnson are very like when I started getting on this whole path, I was really close to Chris Johnson, mm-hmm. and we're still cool to this day. But I was selling my stuff for a higher ticket. I was like, I'm Charles, background in finance, law degree, mm-hmm. MBA. Like, nah, right. y'all go, hey. Feeling myself. And, <laughs> right. And so I was charging like $1,000, maybe more for my content. And I kept seeing Chris posting $40,000 uh, checks. He was making 40 grand, 50 grand a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, there must be something to this. Because yeah. I would look at his page, I'm like, you're pay, you're you're making fifty grand a week, but you're charging forty dollars. Yeah, like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. And so I just tried it. I didn't try to make sense of it. I just did what he was doing. And I think that a lot of times, what people will try to do is try to make it make sense to them before they actually execute on why they're doing it. And so he would do a few things. One thing he would do is his prices would be affordable, and another thing he would do is he would have a Friday sale, an affordable Friday sale. And I never understood why he would do a Friday sale. Well. People get paid on Friday. People are in a good mood on Friday. People actually have time to pay attention to what you're offering them on Friday because during the week, Mm -hmm. they're all caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. And so by I didn't realize that until I got on the other side of the Friday sale. I just started running it and then I found some success. Wow. You are dropping some gems that I didn't even expect to happen here. So right. We're talking about like real estate. I I know. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Well, getting back to it. um, But that was fire. So everyone. Uh, thank Charles for all of this. Um, actually, I have two questions. One is random. Where does Todd Capital come from? Since yeah, your name so, is Charles, because for the longest time when I was following you, I swore your name was Charles. Yeah. I mean, it was Todd. A lot of people ask me that question, and what I'll tell them is, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and in the process of becoming an entrepreneur. I started other companies. And so one of those companies was a necktie company. And so I wanted to have this like prestigious name for a necktie company. And one time we went to Vegas and we were all picking out like our Vegas names. And somebody said, my name is Stacy Joe. My name is Willie Mack. And I was like, my name is Hunter Todd. And so I was running around Vegas telling girls my name was Hunter Todd. And um, I just held on to the name Hunter Todd. Like I kind of started going by myself. by calling people like my name is Hunter, Hunter Todd. And so when I started the necktie company, I said, I'm going to call it Hunter Todd Neckwear. It was just funny to me. And then I realized I went to a wedding and somebody asked me, like, I have a long answer for everything. Somebody, I went to a wedding and someone's like, you had a necktie company. You into fashion? I was like, no, I'm not into fashion at all. And it dawned on me, like, I can't be in this space and dominate this space if I don't really know this space. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, I need to create a company around my actual education as opposed to just something to make money. Because I live this. I literally like if I'm not talking it, I'm reading it, I'm watching it, I'm meditating on it. Like this is just what I do. And so that gives me an edge and it separates me from the competition so much. So I dropped the name Hunter, held on to Todd, called it Todd Capital. And here we are. But I also think a lot of it comes from like either borderline imposter syndrome and not thinking that I was good enough to put my name on there and out there yet. And then also when I was building my business, I was also working a job and I didn't want my job to see my business and say, well, you can't do both. Right, right. So I kind of wanted to like separate that. So it's a complete entity that's out there and I don't run the risk of because it's very difficult to just like quit job, build business. I believe right. you have to do them simultaneously. Yep. And so in order for me to do it simultaneously, I had to kind of go incognito on the business. 
I think that is such a gem and and hopefully a game changer for a lot of people because I know there are people, especially if you work in corporate America or you just have some sort of job. I have friends right now who they have fully completed courses that they're like, I can't put it out there because my job can't know my, you know, I just cannot do that. So I think, you know, imposter syndrome is real. And if you're out there and you think it's just you know that it's not, we got a full fledged millionaire here who experienced <laughs> it before as well. Um, and so, but the thing, I think the lesson in what you did is you found a way. And for you, that was using that um, pseudonym. Um, you didn't let it stop you. Right. So I think that is so important, a, a good takeaway for people as well. Um, so my uh, next follow-up question is, and, and let me know how you are on time. Um, but I just want to, you know, everyone's talking about we're in a recession or heading towards a recession. What would be something that you would suggest people do to prepare or win in a recession? Yeah. I would say don't stop. In fact, go harder. Recessions only impact people who execute at normal levels, average mm -hmm. people, people who are just working their job and working a job is average. And one of the things about being average is people are going to celebrate your average. If you get up and you go to job and you take care of your kids, they're going to be like, good job. But if you are going to work, got a business on the side, got another job, you're investing, you're focused, you're not going to the club, you're not doing the vacations and the trips, you aren't doing the luxury stuff right now in this moment. Now they're going to criticize you. They're going to say, you need to live a little. You need to let go. You're always working. Yeah. And those are the people that are going to win in a recession. The people that don't let go, the people who they pass on the stuff that everybody else is doing that they say they need to live on. Though that's how you win in a recession. You don't win in a recession doing what everybody else does because those are the people that get wiped out in a recession. Those are the people that lose their jobs or lose their home or lose their car or whatever they might lose. And so the most important thing is to take more action than you think is necessary to do more than you think is necessary. I think that's the way that you beat it. But I don't necessarily believe that we're heading into a recession. I think okay. that I don't really listen to what anybody says. I make my own conclusions and mm. I'm looking at what's going on and I see the stock market kind of correcting. But I don't think that's the recession that people are talking about. Yeah. And what makes it worse is I feel like that talk allows people to do nothing because the people mm. who do nothing are the people who are the most fearful. They don't move because they're scared. I would. But a recession's coming. But mm -hmm. you don't know recessions come. You don't yeah. know if recessions here, and you don't know if it's going to be a big or bad recession. All you know is do nothing and wait. That's never the solution. Right. That's right. never the solution. My parents, um, they bought a house at the height of the market in two thousand eight, yep, they lost so that house. <laughs> they lost that house, mm. and what they did is they waited three years and they bought another one. They paid three thirty for that house. That house is now worth about seven fifty. And the mortgage is so low that they're just able to live their dreams. So right. a lot of people would say, well, you shouldn't have bought a house in 2008, 2009. But the mortgage on that house is like double, if not triple than what the mortgage is in their current house. And they even have more equity. So yeah. you can't lose even if you lose. The only way you right. lose is if you stop and do nothing. The only way yeah. they would have lost is they would have said, oh, we lost our home. I guess it's going to rent forever. No. So as we're walking into whatever we're walking into, your responsibility is to take action, period. I'd rather you buy a house at the top of the market, F up and buy another one than not buy anything. And then the market never comes to you because the people that have been waiting for the market to fall to buy have still not bought anything. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely true. So I think that is um, 
the perfect advice, I think, for right now, because like you said, we don't know. We don't know. And you there's no way for you to know. So you just got to move the way you need to move for your own goals and success. So awesome. Awesome. I've got one last question, two questions for you. One is what is one book that you would recommend to anyone listening right now? Man, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to interview Dr. Dennis Kimbrough in Atlanta about a month ago, because usually the answer to this question is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I don't think mm -hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is necessarily for us. I think it's a great read, but I think the most essential an African-American business owner or investor could read is Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. Why? Because mm -hmm. it's filled with nothing but amazing stories of black people who made it from nothing. Um, I saw an Instagram post recently and it said, if I see another person who parents gave them a small loan of $100,000 and they had a $150,000 career talking about their debt free, I'm a flip. And I was yep. like, that's exactly why Dr. Dennis Kimbrough's books are helpful. He wrote two. He actually has written more than two, but the two most relevant are Wealth Choice, which is the success secrets of black millionaires and Think and Grow okay. Rich, a black choice. Both books have choice in the book because it's a choice. And it's just filled with stories of people who grew up an orphan didn't have any money, went to jail, all this horrible stuff, and they still came out on top. I love and that. So I'm, I'm going to add that to my list for sure. Yeah, and it's a great oh. audio book, too. He has a good narrator. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And then my final question is, um, how can people listening or watching uh, work with you, get to know you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so the best place is the business Instagram. It's at Todd.Capital, T-O-D-D dot Capital. Um, you can also find all the courses on www.ToddCapital.co um, or join the mastermind, ToddCapitalMastermind.com. We meet every single morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. We read books. We drop gems. We share wins. We inspire each other. We collaborate and work together, and we're pushing each other towards success. And so there's a lot of ways to work with me, or you can tap in with the Business Accelerator Program which is my one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentorship uh, for $2,200 one time. Uh, we're setting up all your social media content. We're creating your Gumroad pages, your landing pages, your funnels, creating all your emails. We're setting it all up. All you got to do is just exist and get money. So nice. and you got to record your own content. So you right. got to have some knowledge <laughs> to bring to the table. But okay. yeah, one of my most successful students, we grew there. We tripled their following in a week. Um, they ran their 4th of July sale, made a bunch of money. And now they're off to the races in less than a week. We got them a huge email list and it's been a really cool experience just to see them win. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, you heard it here. This is where you can um, work with Charles and his team and join his mastermind. And he's got so many uh, offers available for you basically to help you win in whatever you're trying to do, um, whether it's making passive income, getting into stocks, real estates, dividend investing, and all of those gems there. So thank you so very, very much. I'm very grateful to have you on the podcast and um, make sure you follow Charles. Um, what's your Instagram? Uh, the business Instagram is I, at Todd.Capital and my personal is at Todd Billion. So whichever one you want to find me on, I'm more I'm more active on Twitter. I'll be tweeting my butt off, and that's real <laughs> Todd Billion. If you want to find me there, also check out the Tweet Talk podcast. We got about 200 episodes, and we just be going in. So check that out. You should see the image right there. Me and Raphael been rocking for about three or four years, if not longer, and people love that podcast. Um, it's a it's a different kind of podcast because it's not an interview podcast. It's just me being interviewed the whole time, every single episode, and oh, I'd wow. be telling I'd be it'd be real rap raw. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sure everyone will enjoy that. So thank you again. And um, everyone, I will see you next time. Bye. All right. Thanks for joining us on today's Passive Income and Chill podcast. Be sure to check the show notes and PassiveIncomeAndChill.com for any resources mentioned. And if you're ready to take the next step in your journey, feel free to join me in Passive Income Courses Academy. See you on the next episode.